Running a business isn't all glamour and success stories. You're about to hear from a real founder in the trenches. I'm here to help them find clarity, have a space to get their ideas out in the open, and figure out how they're going to move forward. Welcome to the Talk to Stefan podcast. Today I'm joined by MK, who is founder of Sparrow, a startup growth mentorship platform. Thanks for joining me on the Founder Hot Seat. Thanks for having me. So do you want to give us a quick overview of what it is that Sparrow does? Absolutely, Stefan. So Sparrow is a growth mentorship platform specifically targeted towards bootstrap SaaSes. And what we do is we sit with SaaS founders and try and understand how they can scale their customer acquisition channels so that they can go from random tactics that bring in a few customers here and there to having a steady growth and inflow of revenue for their business. And the way we do it is after I personally understand what the founder is looking for, I connect them with startup advisors on our platform, most of whom have scaled their own businesses from zero MRR to a million dollars in monthly revenue, a million dollars in annual revenue, etc. And the internet has a lot of experts and a lot of things. And we're not the only platform that does this. But one thing that I made sure when I was onboarding the advisors, Stefan, is they're good, empathetic people who actually care. Because you could be sitting across the table from the smartest and richest people on earth. But if you can't connect with them, if you don't know, if you know that they don't care about your product, you won't walk out of the 20 minute call with any actionable insight. So it's a very empathetic board of growth advisors for any bootstrap SaaSes who want to bring in more customers on a reliable basis. Excellent. And where are you sort of up to with the business? What, what's gone on so far? Well, it started a year ago when I personally wanted to help some founders out in some form, didn't really know what or with, with what tactics, et cetera. It started out, started out as a very general way of mentoring founders. Made a lot of mistakes, had some terrible sessions here and there, and I write about it on my starter story blog post. And then I realized that after talking to several advisors, coaches, et cetera, I realized that the only real thing that startups care about by definition is exponential growth. And so what founders really look for is growth, but as they're looking to scale their business, they realize that they have to fix their funnel. They have to interview customers who are leaving their platform. They have to implement so-and-so features. So I decided to go from a generic startup mentorship platform to a platform that caters towards bootstrap SaaSes specifically for growth. And once I nailed down the product messaging, I went out and started looking for our startup advisors who have actually done that. And it's been a year so far, I believe we've had over 30 sessions on the platform. And yeah, it's, it's definitely been a journey. Lots of lessons learned better than business school. Excellent. Sounds like you're making great progress there. Tell me a little bit more about the sort of challenge that you're facing at the moment. Absolutely, Stefan. So what I realized in the beginning is I was in the wrong spaces trying to reach my founders. I would be on random Slack channels. I would be on forums that didn't really have the right kinds of founders, big mix of 2B founders. And so over time, what I realized is I need to leverage the marketing channel called community. There's all this chat chatter about building a community, et cetera, but I wasn't a part of the actual founder communities where the action was. Long story short, a month ago, I realized that's Twitter. And so I signed up on Twitter with zero founders trying to pitch Sparrow to people. It, it was terrible. Now, the challenge is 
or the good news is I've grown to 200 followers in the last two, three weeks or last six weeks, actually. But the challenge is, although Twitter provides a community for me to reach out to these founders, sometimes on a one-on-one level as well, without sounding too salesy, I wonder what other ways there are to reach SaaS founders who are making a bit of revenue, but they're just not happy with their current level of revenue, or they're not happy with the 15, 20 customers they get. And I know Twitter is a great spot because there's a lot of founders who build in public. They're basically putting everything out there. Makes my life easier because I know exactly how I can help them. But I don't want that to be my only acquisition channel. I, I wonder where other founders are. And I was hoping we could you know, explore that opportunity together. Excellent. So it sounds like it's very much around growth for you and understanding where people are, where they're hanging out, how you get in front of them. I guess if we were to jump ahead a little bit and not specifically look at the channels and places that you can find them, but once you have made that connection, what what does that conversation go like and what happens from there once you've found that person? That's such a beautiful question, man. I, I, I love this. I really love this. So because I am quite literally sometimes my own customer, I know that if someone pitches to me, hey, this person's a good fit, I'm not going to listen. Because at the back of my head, I'm thinking, oh, they just want me to buy their service and buy, pay for time. So because I understand that, I do it the other way on a very genuine level. I just talk to them about their business. I ask them, hey, looks like you have a SaaS. You're bringing in two, $300 a month. How are you even doing that? Because I can't even do that. Like I'll have a very genuine conversation. And then once I understand where they are in the business, I try to understand what they're missing out on, what they think they want to improve upon. And based on that, I'll then look into my repository of startup advisors, many of whom have sold their businesses to companies like SoundCloud, and then try and find two things. Number one, let's say the founder is looking to scale their business using Twitter. Did any of my advisors do it? So perfect example would be AJ from Card. Card grew so organically on Twitter, he, he might just be the perfect guy to talk to. That's great. The second question I ask myself before matching a founder with one of our startup growth advisors is, is the person that I'm matching up with, do, do they emotionally connect? Because I've had one-on-ones with all of my advisors. So it helps me understand that they, you know, both people are chatty. It's going to be a great chat. Or no, both people are introverted. They don't like saying too much. They're to the point conversation. That might just be a perfect match. And then I connect them. But here's the thing, Stefan, right? It doesn't just stop there. Once they're connected and they get their session, et cetera, I don't only prepare both sides, the advisor and the founder, for their call. So I give them all the context. I write them 20, 30 lines of preparation uh, uh, tactics. But even after the call, I'll follow up with them and I'll ask, hey, was that even relevant? Did you find value there? Is there anyone else in the industry that I can personally connect you with over LinkedIn, totally free of charge, because I actually care about your business? And I've done that multiple times. But yeah, it's, it's a very lengthy process. The growth mentorship is just one segment, but it's a very long journey of essentially me connecting with founders and just digging down. You know, it's a, it's a very interesting place to be. It is. And it sounds like the conversations that you're having, they're almost like the, the perfect sales discovery call in that you're learning all of that about your customer, really understanding their needs, what they want, where they're at. And yeah, it doesn't come across as a sales conversation because you've got such a genuine deep interest there. 
in bettering them, helping them to get to where they want to be. And I'm just wondering, out of those people that you approach, how many, maybe as a percentage, are in a space where they're willing, ready, and want to engage in a sort of growth conversation and speaking to a mentor versus those that are just there to have the conversation and that's it? So let me let me clarify, Stefan. Are you saying having a conversation versus growing over time? Is that your was that your question? Yeah, just trying to understand in terms of the people that you speak to, how many of them are willing to actually engage in sort of mentorship and receive mentorship versus just having a conversation with you about the business? Oh, I understand. So conversion. Yeah. So in the beginning, it was terrible. In the beginning, when I first started, I didn't really know because it was a chicken and egg problem with my marketplace. How can I onboard an advisor if I don't even know what they're going to offer a founder? This was like a year back. Worst problem on earth. So in the beginning, it was really difficult because I would sit across founders on Slack, and these are real stories, and I would tell them what problems they're having. That's the worst question anyone can ask a founder, in my opinion. Like, what problems are you having? I would ask them these questions, and they would just like chat with me. And then when I would try to sell them very directly, like, oh, hey, I know someone who you can talk to. It's just 20 bucks. They would just be like, sure, I mean, man, I'll, I'll, I'll talk if you want. Maybe it'll help. So the conversions were crap because my messaging was vague and my advisors were in the beginning not perfectly trained to advise startup founders. It was, it was horrible. Now, because of, I have social proof of my, pro, of my service working and the advisors themselves are proof of their craft, it's much easier to sell the product because of me only approaching my target customers from the get-go. So if I see a bootstrap SaaS who's making two, 3,000 MRR and they're constantly building in public, when I'm having the conversation, him and I both want the same thing. We both want their startup to scale. So if I were to quantify it for you, in the beginning, I would say from sales or customer discovery to converting to a paid session, I would say the percentage was less than 4 5%, maybe a solid 5 whereas now it's at more than 50%. Right. And look, man, I mean, if nobody wants a growth session, I'll just send them one of my favorite growth guides online that I use to build my landing page. And I say, hey, man, keep an eye on your product. Here's what I personally found. I'll be following you on Twitter and I'll be constantly adding value. And I think that's a model that works for sure on Twitter. I was very surprised how I, on a very genuine level, this is not me pitching myself, but I was very surprised that the moment I started being authentic on Twitter, cracking jokes, making memes, and really helping founders because I care. All of a sudden, I quite literally went from uh, 69 followers three weeks ago, and this morning it hit 201. I was very surprised. Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting community to be a part of. Excellent. So it sounds like you've really found something that works for you, something that is growing there, and something that's happening. Mm-hmm. And I guess that brings me back to sort of this this broader topic of how do you grow it what do you do and you found something that works there what's the reason for wanting to explore sort of other areas and other ways so there's one major reason which i think is valid the others aren't as strong so what i've been learning about growth over the last few months stefan is that it's good to see what channel or Let's, let's step away from the semantics. Like, it's good to understand what works and doubling down on it. At the same time, there's things that come into my mind like SEO or content marketing or answering questions on Quora and just being supportive on other channels. 
so that you're kind of de-risking yourself from being putting all your eggs in the same basket, in my case, Twitter eggs, <laughs> and instead trying to work a little bit on, let's say, SEO or something like that. So that further down the line, that scales up a little bit, little bit by bit over the month. So that a year later, when you, or maybe a two years later, when you Google, hey, how can I find a reliable startup advisor? I want to come up. But if I'm only on Twitter and you're Googling that, my competitors would come up. So I kind of want to de-risk myself from fully relying on one channel of reaching customers. Okay. That makes sense. And you mentioned a few channels there. You mentioned SEO, content marketing, sort of answering questions on Quora. I'm just wondering what, what sort of is sitting in your mind as potential ideas in terms of channels or spaces or things that you could do? Well, I'm thinking, let's say on Quora, for example, there's like Quora is such a, it's, it's such a, wow, it's, what an interesting space, man. The questions people ask and the answers people give blow my mind, not in always a positive way. Like it's crazy. People will ask you how to build a startup. Someone will come and start talking about hospitals. Like it has no, anyway. So the way it gets crazy, there's no correlation sometimes. And sometimes I call it out. I'm like, why are you getting answers about healthcare? You just asked about how to start a business. Unimaginable. So for example, with Cora, what I see myself being is like a trusted person that, like a trusted advisor for entrepreneurship, but on a very, on a very high level, because I'm not a seasoned founder. I'm, I haven't been acquired. I don't know everything about being a founder. So if someone asks very vague or high level questions like, oh, how do I start a business? What do I look for when I'm starting a business? How do I start an all? These are very easy questions I can answer and I can write 200 words and it would actually make sense. So on these channels, I really want to become a trusted source where people come for high quality content with no fluff. And I think down the line, if because mind you, the entire product is about startup growth, but you can't grow a company if you don't know how to make one and how to build your moat and become self-sustainable. So if I can put out some high quality but low complexity content on how to build a sustainable business, how to start a business, stuff of that sort on Quora or on Medium or Hacker Noon and all these other places, then what I think the competitive advantage I'd have further down the line is, as Julian Shapiro says, number one, even if I can't drive in customers with that, it helps retain our present customers because the people who have used Sparrow will come across these articles and say, oh yeah, I've used Sparrow. Okay, that makes sense. They're putting a quality material. And number two, it'll at least generate some sort of interest where people learn about what we're doing because I have very big vision for, for Sparrow. I sent an email at uh, 4 a.m. last night to my advisors. Lots of plans in the making. Yeah. yeah. So I can hear that there are a number of options there in terms of you putting content out there and answering those questions. I wonder almost if there's a bit of distance between what you want to do in terms of putting content out there and who it's for. For instance, you were saying that these people are very early stage. They're figuring out how to work on their business. But then if we look back at what you were saying before about you know who to contact, who to reach, and those people have got some revenue, is there a bit of a disconnect between the two? For sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that. <laughs> and I'm just wondering, that's not necessarily a bad thing as, you know, I'm sure that that content could work for a different audience and as part of the longer sequence. But I'm wondering just how you're thinking about the options that you've got, you know, all of these different channels, the different things that you could do. How are you prioritizing or thinking about what you should be doing sort of now versus in six months, 12 months time? Yeah. Fantastic question, Stefan. Um, I think this speaks to your efficacy as 
like a coach on these calls, really, really fantastic questions. So I was reading a book called Traction that talks about customer acquisition. It's written by two guys who basically spoke with co-founders from all the best companies and people like Andrew Chen, who's a VC at A16Z. And basically what they say is you need to, crap, I forgot the name, but it's essentially called, there's a word for it. You know how when you're playing bow and arrow and when, when you're playing darts, there's the centerpiece, there's the slightly bigger circle, and then the, there's a the larger circle. So he says that to prioritize the channels you use based on a few hypotheses, but testing to see what works. And then for things that you know will really work, test them out ASAP. The things you think may or may not work or may, not, may or may not bring in that many customers, move it to the second priority list and then so on to the third priority list. And so to answer your question, Stefan, in terms of prioritization, I definitely believe and know now that I've tested it out that Twitter is, is the place for me to be. I think given my commitment to it and the fact that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be the Andrew Gazdecki of bootstrap SaaS's so that, cause he's always, I don't know how he does it. Guy runs a million dollar business. He's like two X exited. He has like a child at home and the guy replies to every comment on his Twitter almost. I don't get it, but I want to get to his level. I want to get to Arvid Kahl's level where I'm replying to founders on a genuine level, keep building on that engagement. And six, eight months down the line, I see myself not just reaching a high follower count. I don't like, you know, putting a count target in my head, but I really want to become a trusted source on Twitter. So as I'm talking to you, Stefan, what I'm realizing is kind of focusing more on Twitter because it works. It is working and I'm getting slow, slow traction. And the content marketing piece and the other pieces, perhaps it's something I could dedicate less hours to but keep it consistent over the weeks because ultimately i do want it to pay off um further down the line when i'm trying to rank higher on google Hmm. interesting so it sounds like it's a case of running these in parallel as opposed to one or the other yeah yeah definitely interesting Mm -hmm. and as you're running this other track that's sort of going there you've got twitter going and you know it seems like you know what you're doing you're doing it already and that's a case of, you know, over time and as you sort of build up connections with people. Mm-hmm. From a content perspective, you mentioned about Cora there and submitting sort of answers and answering people's questions. What else do you think you could or should be doing there? With Cora, huh? Either Cora or other channels or other ideas. Oh, oh I understand. Um, let's see, so Cora is pretty straightforward. Just answer questions genuinely. Try not to promote too much. In regards to other channels, funny and again i'm just going to be authentic and genuine on this call because i i hope this helps other founders as well one of the things that i really struggle and struggled both with is uh guest posting guest blogging i literally emailed 20 plus very relevant tech blogs and i told them hey i'll write something up for you it'll be two three thousand words you know it'll be great and surprisingly enough three things happen they either don't reply even when i send them a video explaining what i'll do for them or they would say yes, but they would they would require payment, like two three hundred dollars. I wasn't aware of that. I don't see myself spending that on a thousand dollar article when I don't even know the author or who's going to write it, right? Quality wise. And number three, they would they would let me post on their blog, but there would be ridiculous guidelines, ten twenty bullet points. I'm thinking, yeah, I can't do this. So to answer your question, what I could be doing this is probably the long road, but essentially writing high quality content for let's say hacker noon 
right? They're just focusing on one platform and constantly, or even on a weekly basis, delivering high quality content, ideally towards my target customer, but also for founders who are willing to get their startup journey started. Because I'm pretty good at that because I've been in those shoes. It's just, I'm not running a SaaS today. It's just a service marketplace today. So it's a bit difficult to be very useful to bootstrap SaaS founders because I'm not that guy to be talking to them and giving them advice on it because that's for my advisors, right? I'm not the expert. So yeah, definitely something for me to think about. And just there, you mentioned about sort of picking a platform and sticking to that platform and delivering quality content on it. I'm just wondering, how do you go about deciding which platform's right for you? Fantastic question, Manuel. Okay. So what I do is content marketing, I think, is important for many reasons. One of them being is for ranking high on Google. Google cares, what I've been reading, is they care a bit less about backlinks. And what they care about is when someone Googles and they come across your page, do they leave your page and go to another page? Because that means the person searching didn't find what they're looking for. So the idea is to hook the reader, provide high quality content and keep them engaged. The other thing I personally want to keep in mind is when I run an ahrefs.com on my personal website, I see that the domain rating or the domain authority or whatever is not super high. I believe it's 21 today, but my competitors ones are like 80. And when websites with high domain ranking or authority link to your website, Google does take that as some sort of hint that, okay, maybe the Sparrow website is providing quality content and maybe that's why someone else is connecting to it. So to answer your question, the platform that, that I would like to focus on, Stefan, would be platforms where founders spend time on, like Hacker Noon. That's the only thing I can think of. And platforms which have developed a very high domain ranking or domain authority. Hacker Noon is one of them. Medium is one of them. And that's the only thing that I can think of. So essentially writing for platforms where my, my target customers spend their time on and um, websites which have a good authority with Google so that my website feels like it's on the same level over time, which will take like a year probably. But you know, that's the journey, I guess. Excellent. And I think this is a good point to sort of as we bring to a close, imagine looking back, say you're six, 12 months down the line, and you're looking back at these efforts that you've made and you've had the two paths going in parallel. You've had, you know, the Twitter outreach that you're doing and speaking with people that way and connecting with people that way. You've then also gone for this sort of content route as well. What do you think is likely or most likely to have either gone wrong or not worked out? Very interesting question. I think of that. I'm very, I don't want to say overconfident or confident, confidence is good. I'm very confident with Twitter because the only way it can go wrong is it's a very reputational thing. So once you build a community and if you're, if people call you out for something wrong that you did, I guess, I don't know how to recover from that. So that's one thing that could go wrong, but I don't know what I would do to, to be in that position. The other thing that not just, I wouldn't say could go wrong, but may not be as effective is my SEO and my general content marketing strategy of, let's say, putting up an infographic or just doing what I've been doing so far. Because the problem with that is, and I've been recommended by this uh, by a few founders as well, is just subscribing to those you know, SEO 
article writing agencies who now take monthly subscriptions, which is a very, very clever business model. But they have the expertise. They know what they're doing. They've helped other founders two, three X their month yearly volume, right? That could go wrong because I could potentially personally spend six hours a week times 30 weeks. That's 180 hours, right? And then after that, come out of it with mediocre content, which is on the third page of Google. Whereas my competitors, and I can tell you right now, because I do my research, they're the third result when someone searches startup advisors, which is not good news for me. So that's definitely something that could be, that could go to waste in the terms of efficiency, time efficiency. So I guess it's, yeah, exploring that idea around, you know, am I actually investing time into the right places, doing it the right way? Yeah. Do I need the support of other people to actually deliver on what I'm trying to do? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a harder game. And because my personality is very, everyone calls me an extrovert, so let's go with that. I'm ENTJ, extroverted as a hell. So, and I really care. For some reason, I just really care. When I talk to people, I care about weird things about their lives. Like it's almost like I'm their best friend and we just started talking, but that's not a bad thing all the time. I can leverage that to do something in a space where most people pitch or just have very shallow conversations and okay, take care. Right. So I definitely think my personality goes well with what the Twitter crowd looks for, which is like an extroverted guy who wants to help, doesn't take himself too seriously and is okay with being wrong. I, I love being wrong, bro. Cause I just want to learn. I don't care if you prove me wrong. I just want to learn and move on. Right. Cause there's 15 other things I need to know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, 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 it's a very enlightening conversation that I've had with you, Stefan today, because I'm realizing that perhaps instead of spreading myself too thin, taking up the 80-20 rule and putting most of my effort where my channel is working and worrying less about diversifying too much. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. Excellent. I think that does bring us to a really good point to summarize what we've discussed today. So when you uh, came on to the show, we were saying about the number of sessions that you've had so far. Sparrow has been going for about a year. You've had around 30 sessions so far with founders and you're really looking for founders who are bootstrapped predominantly and looking to grow. Maybe they're a few hundred dollars MRR. They're trying to grow from there. And you found that you've hung out in the wrong spaces before, certain Slack channels, uh, wrong sort of forums. And you haven't really been able to connect with the people that you want to in those spaces. Then you found sort of Twitter and that's where you tried an approach where you were pitching more to people and sort of struggled with that a little bit. But when you found that you genuinely and sort of authentically connect with them, that's when you've been able to get conversations going, understand where these people are at, what they're doing, how they're approaching growth. And then you've been able to sort of follow up with them and really support them in a long-term way and connect them with people who are able to support them. That's essentially what Sparrow does. And you've now got sort of the social proof and you've got a good range of advisors on board. So it's easier to approach people, but it's that question of how else do you continue to grow it? And that's where you're now thinking about running in parallel because you rely on Twitter solely at the moment. And it's how do you de-risk that? And you've talked about running another sort of parallel track where you really just pick out one sort of channel or one space and really deliver high quality content to that space. But it's thinking about how do you actually deliver that content? Is it you? Is it somebody else who is better placed to do it? And just making sure that you can deliver on that and test and see if it really does work. Do you think that's a fair 
description of what we discussed. That's very, very good. I, I actually work with a lot of people no, outside of Sparrow personal life. I, I work with a lot of people who, who are very, very smart with communication and um, summarizing key takeaways and just building on conversations to move the needle forward, Stefan. And I'm t- saying that because I think you're like very much on, if not more on that level where you, you're able to kind of lead a conversation where the other person wants to go or is trying to go to, and you're kind of exploring the opportunities with them. But then after that, you know, you're, I have quite literally in the last six months, never heard someone summarize a call this well, because I need to do it with the founders too. Because I ask them questions, they tell me 19 things I don't need to know, but then I just put it all together beautifully. I double check it with them and then I go, go ahead, right? So I do it as well, but I had never have heard someone summarize such a long conversation so eloquently. Yeah, man, you nailed it. Love it. Thank you. Very kind of you. I, uh, yeah, I appreciate it. It was really good talking to you. If people want to learn more about Sparrow, where can they find the, either website or you on Twitter? Yeah, so website is sparrowstartup.com. So Sparrow is the bird, sparrowstartup.com. And Twitter is also Sparrow Startup. Excellent. Well, thanks for joining me on the show. Goodbye. Absolutely, Stefan. It was a pleasure. There you have it. Thanks for listening. You'll find me at talkstefan.com or at talkstefan on Twitter. Drop me a message if you're interested in either being a guest on the podcast or working together. Take care for now.